Hello and welcome to episode 7-0 of the Beyond the Self podcast. I am Africa and I've been losing my voice a little bit. I'm sure that has been the case in the past few episodes, but it's been extremely, extremely cold here in London. Um, and I've been doing a lot of recording, a lot of talking in preparation for all things book. Um, and I'm also actually recording a new show, which I will tell you all about very soon, but it does mean that my voice has just been a little bit like this. Um, today is going to be a very, very, very short episode because it's more of an update. The next full episode that we're going to have is going to be all about social seduction, as I mentioned in episode 69. And I'm still writing the um, outline for that episode because it is going to be very prescriptive in a lot of ways. I will be, as always, riffing out loud, but it is going to have very very specific insights that I would love for you to take. Um, but I just wanted to give you a little update in the meantime, because there are so many moving parts in my life right now. And as I record this, I am a week and a half away from the official book announcement. So before we didn't have the exact date, but now we do. Now we do have a date of when we announce the book, but it's not just an announcement because I've kind of done that already unofficially, but this is going to be an announcement along with the pre-order links, which means you will be able to reserve the book. Okay. And pre-orders are very, very important. And if you're already tuning out of this, stay and listen. (laughs) Pre-orders are very, very important for all authors because, oh, my voice, we're going to make it through. We're going to make it through. Pre-orders are very important because they signal to not just the author, but especially to the publishers and to the booksellers that there is demand for this book. So it determines how many books they end up printing. Okay. So whenever you see someone that you have been supporting for a while, someone whose book you're excited about, including me, saying that pre-orders are now available, please do pre-order the book. And the wonderful thing about it is it doesn't mean that any money is taken from you in that moment. The money will be taken on publication day. So for example, my pre-orders are going to be available from the 31st of January. And then the book is published in the US on May the 14th. And then it's published in the UK and globally on May the 16th. So when you pre-order in January, it doesn't mean that any money is going to come out of your account until May. Okay. But it reserves the book for you. And on publication day, the book will be delivered to you and we can open it together. We can experience it together. But I'm very, very, very excited about that entire, um, just the just the entire process because it's been a fucking ride (laughs) it has been unlike anything I have ever ever done in my entire life and the past three years to even say out loud that it has been three years from conception to execution is just it's pretty mind-blowing and I think because I'm still very much in it I haven't had the chance to actually process it fully 
each day it starts to land with me. Each day it starts to feel more real. Each day I start to really realize the gravity of what I've done. Each day when I hold the book and I feel its physical form in my hands, I just giggle and I just, I, I, I'm just so overjoyed. So, so, so overjoyed. And I can't wait for you to experience this with me. You know, it's, it's to the point where even if someone fucking hates this book and they just, it's the worst book they've ever read. I don't care. I don't care. I wrote a fucking book. I wrote over a hundred thousand words that had to be whittled down to 64,000 words that I believe in. I wrote a fucking book and that's all that matters. Even if one person resonates with it, well, I, at least five, okay? Five people resonate with it. <laughs> I will be very, very, very happy. And yeah, I, I can't wait for this to be in your hands, for it to be in your ears, because I will be reading the audiobook, and I'm so excited to read the audiobook. Oh my goodness, so excited. Um, it's going to be a lot, so I'm going to have to make sure that I really do rest my voice, and yeah, and get prepared to read for about six to eight hours every day for a week. So that's all in terms of the book stuff and where my voice has sort of been and where my voice is going. And speaking of voice, there's something else that I I didn't even expect that I would be sharing this with you. There's something else that has happened in the past week that has just been revealing in a lot of ways. So a big part of my work is voice liberation, right? I'm in the work of mind tongue and voice liberation. That's how I describe it. (laughs) That's how I describe it. And I know that's how a lot of you experience it. It's all about voice activation. And it's very important for me to remind myself, but to remind everyone that I speak to and everyone that I work with, that it's not just about what you say. It's about who you are being when you say it. There are so many layers to expression. I This is also why I can't wait for you to actually have the book in your hands and to have it in written form and in audio form, because I go into the nuances of expression and make it very clear that it's not just about what you say, it's about who you're being, it's about the state of your mind, it's about your tone, it's about your delivery, it's about your body language, it's about the unspoken, it's about the essence in which you hold yourself. There are so many components that shape what expression actually is. But so I'm in this work and I've been doing this work for a very long time now, especially in the context of self-sabotage and self-censorship and just unraveling the many, many different threads of all of that. But there's something that I haven't spoken about as much when it comes to expression and voice activation and all of that. And it's the (laughs) I'm starting to feel even a little bit shy just talking about it, but I have been singing and writing music for, since I was very, very young. And I'm from, I'm from a culture, I'm Zimbabwean, Shona tribe. I'm from a culture where singing is a big part of the culture, whether you're in church and I grew up in church, whether you're in church or family gatherings or a funeral or some kind of celebration, singing is just sort of embedded in the culture. So 
a lot of us grew up in that way. I don't know if it's still the same now because, uh, you know, Zimbabwe has been modernized in a lot of ways. Some things that were very much embedded in the culture, people just don't do as much anymore. But I would like to think, from my knowledge, I would like to think that singing is still very much a big part of the culture as it was when I was growing up. And me and my sisters used to sing all the time. We used to harmonize all the time. So I, I don't even think that I grew up saying to myself, I am a singer or I want to be a singer. I, I just always have been and I've just always written music. And specifically writing is something that I started doing when I was about nine, but mostly from the age of 10. And I've always written lyrics. I have always written lyrics. It comes so easily to me. All I have to hear is just a piece of music and instantly something comes to mind. So it's, it's just a hobby. I enjoy it. It flows so freely. It is so enjoyable. I find it so easy to harmonize. If someone is singing, I can slap on a harmony so easily. Just sing. I sing every single day. But it's become something that I do in secret. I don't do it in front of anyone. Maybe my closest friend, Roxanne, is the only one that would hear me singing in any sort of seriousness. And when I got sober seven, now nearly eight years ago, which is fucking mind-blowing, when I got sober is when I stopped singing publicly in any way. But even if I sort of rewind before then, I only found comfort in singing if I was a little bit drunk or if I was high or if I was just buzzed in some way. That's when I would find it easy to sing. So I was doing a lot of thinking in the past few months and especially as I was reading my book and I wanted to trace back to see when... When was that moment when I decided that I wasn't allowed or able to sing out loud without feeling embarrassed, without feeling ashamed, without feeling like I just wanted to crawl away and I didn't want anyone to look at me? And memories started coming to the surface and there were memories that were not specific to, let's say, the origin of this moment of shutdown, but more so realizing that if I wasn't only singing when I was drunk or high, whatever it was, I would ask people to close their eyes. I would only feel comfortable if people were closing their eyes. So I remember I would ask people to close their eyes or ask them to sort of look away or to turn around and then I'd be able to sing. But if they were actually looking at me, I would feel just this overwhelming sense of embarrassment and shame and social anxiety. And I still can't pinpoint where that came from exactly but it's something that I really want to get rid of my voice is one of my best instruments and your voice is one of your best and biggest instruments and not even just let's say a singing voice but a speaking voice if you are someone that is able to speak I need you to understand how fucking powerful that is I need you to understand that as the animal that we are, the human animal, the fact that we have the ability to cultivate a powerful voice, to tune into what is working, what is not, and to train that voice, to train that instrument, to refine it, that is fucking powerful. 
And to do it in such a way where you can be understood, to do it in such a way where you can be effective in the world. And we're going to talk about this in great detail in the episode of Social Seduction, but to do it in a way that can seduce, to do it in a way that can influence, to do it in a way that can calm someone, to do it in a way that can anger someone, in a way that can protect you, to do it from a place of desire, to be able to use it in sex, because sound is very important when it comes to sex, when it comes to sensuality. Do not take that for granted. I will never take that for granted ever again. And unleashing my singing voice is like one of my final steps for now when it comes to my own personal voice activation. So I write music all the time. I sing, when I say every day, I mean every single day. I was in a band when I was growing up. I was in a couple of bands when I was growing up. Um, and I would like to think I'm not one of those people that lacks so much self-awareness that they think they have a good voice when they actually don't. I do. I have a, I have a beautiful voice. I have a very, <laughs> I have a beautiful voice and I, it feels nice to be able to say that and to be able to believe it. And it's not like I've never believed it, but I've just never said it out loud in that way. But I do have a beautiful voice. I think it's because of the practice from such a young age and singing with my sisters and people around me from such a, a young age and being in bands and just playing around and exploring. So now as a third, 31 year old woman, I do, I can say, yeah, I do have a beautiful voice, but I need to stop hiding it. So something profound that has happened in the past week, I've started to speak to the people around me for the past few months. I've started to speak to the people around me about that last roadblock that I have, which is very personal. It's not, it's not that I want to release music necessarily, even though I have friends that are saying, Hey, you should put something out. No, it's not about that. It's just so I can sing in front of my friends. We can, here's the thing though, when it comes to karaoke and I love going to karaoke, I will sing. I'm not one of those people that will be sitting on a chair like, Oh my God, I can't. Um, I will absolutely sing. But again, it's almost as if, if the environment is a little bit unserious, then I will do it. But if it's totally serious and I'm being really earnest and really sincere and I'm just singing for my life, it feels embarrassing. And I just feel like I'm being observed and I don't, I don't want to. Um, that's the thing that I want to, to address. So I've been speaking to a lot of my friends and just telling them about this roadblock that I have, this last area of resistance. And I'm so lucky that I have brilliant friends who are just, they are honestly my friends. I'm so fucking grateful for them. And I, I was speaking about this in the last episode when I was speaking about how your, friends determine your success, something like that. Your circle determines your success. Please listen to that episode. But I'm so lucky to be surrounded by people who champion me, people who are natural cheerleaders, people who are visionaries, people who are just brilliant, you know. Um, and I also... A lot of those people are artists. A lot of those people are musicians. So I've been speaking to a lot of my musician friends and they're like, Africa... I'm going to fucking help you. They have been speaking so much life into me. You would not believe it. And I have just been, 
I have just been so blown away by the response that I've received without even sharing any piece of music, without even sharing anything with them. They were like, Africa, you can fucking do this. Come to the studio with me. We're going to make some music, play around, and you can just be free, okay? And they are people that always tell me how much I have done for them in activating their speaking voice. So it's just, it's it's been amazing. So last week, I go to the cinema with my friend Roxanne, and then we're in the car back home, and she's, I'm telling her about this thing. Well, she's been alongside me for years since we were so young, so she knows you know, my resistance when it comes to publicly singing while being sober. And she was like, I was telling her about another conversation that I had had a few days before that with a friend of mine, Miles, Miles Kane, his musician, a fantastic musician. I mean, ah, phenomenal. And Miles had said to me, Africa, send me anything even if it's a voice note and it's five seconds long, just send me something because that's going to be the first step in you kind of conquering these mind gremlins, okay? Just send anything. It does not have to be perfect, does not have to be a full song, just send something. And I was like, yes, I had. we were at lunch and I was like, yes, I was activated, I was inspired. I was like, ugh, I'm gonna send this thing. And then I get home life happens, some book stuff I need to do, whatever happens. And then I just don't end up sending it. But I'm fully aware in my mind that I need to send this thing and I haven't done it. And then, and that there's a level of procrastination and holding back and not wanting to or waiting for the perfect moment. Because in my mind, I was like, okay, instead of sending an old voice memo, I'm going to just record something new and send it, blah, blah, blah. Three days passed. And then I'm at the cinema with Roxanne. And then now we're in the car. And then I'm telling her the story of my lunch with Miles and me needing to send this fucking piece of music right in the car Roxanne says send it right now and I was like what she said show me your phone pick something what do you like and then I say I really like this recording it was just a a really rough by rough I don't mean in the way that I sounded but rough as in it was on a day where my grief my recent grief with my heartbreak was so heavy and I was in a, I was in a depressive state. I've never experienced depression in my life. I've experienced deep sadness, etc., but never what I would actually call depression. But I was in a very depressive state. And something that always helps me when I'm in a sadness is to sing, is to hear my own voice, play my favorite music and to just dance and to move and to write and to whatever. So there was a recording that I had done on my phone and I played it to Roxanne and said, I really like this. And it's a song that I wrote when I was maybe 16. And it's a beautiful song. Um, And then I played it to her and she was like, Africa, send this now. Send this to Miles right now. And I sent it to him. And then after that, I sent it to my other very good friend, Alawea, who's a musician as well. And I sent it to those two people because those are the two people in my life who I've spoken to about this. And another friend of mine, Sonny, is waiting for me to send him this fucking music so he can take me to the studio. But I will do that. But I sent it to these two and then Roxanne heard it in the car and she watched me send it. And I felt a liberation that I have not felt in a very long time. Because here's the thing, when it comes to speaking in this way, when it comes to speaking about things that are somewhat taboo, when it comes to exploring difficult concepts and distilling them, 
it's easy. It's easy, but it's very intellectual. And I don't feel any vulnerability really anymore when, when I do it because I've been doing it for such a long time. But the vulnerability that comes with sharing my singing voice and other people hearing it, other people seeing my lyrics and it's a, it's a new type of vulnerability. So the, liberation that I felt, the excitement that I felt, the joy that I felt. And the next day, because I sent this late in the evening, next day I wake up to messages from Miles and Aloea and they were so excited. There aren't even enough words to describe the excitement that they had. They were so excited and so grateful and so thankful and just honoring me, honoring my voice, but honoring me and allowing myself to be seen by them in a, in such a way. And it was just, guys, it was so, it was so beautiful. It was so beautiful. And this was last week. This was last week. And it's just felt so freeing to know, oh my goodness, I shared my voice and I didn't die. How about that? (laughs) I allowed for other people to hear me sing, which is something that I used to do all the time, but just have not done in sobriety. And I didn't die. Wow. So we're going to be going to the studio and just playing around. And again, I don't, I don't have any plans to release music or whatever. Although something I've always wanted to do is to record about 15 of my songs and make an album called Ivy's Garden and to gift it to my children or if I don't have any children to gift it to the little ones in my life um at a later stage in life let's say maybe when I'm 50 or 60 if I if I get to live that long but I just want to record this one album that is just for me and to do like a shoot for it and the artwork for it and to just to just have fun I just want to have fun and to play with my singing voice so I wanted to share that story with you (laughs) because it just came to mind and I did not think that I'd be sharing that anyway but it's it's another one of my um just updates that make such a big difference and really remind me of how important it is to check in on the areas of resistance because I knew that singing is something that I do in solitude it's something that's very private to me but I didn't realize just how much resistance I had when it came to bringing it out of my own little bubble and for me to realize that I will never be truly liberated in my voice if I'm holding this one area back you know and it's not about being seen and heard on stages by everyone but if it ends up being that way then so be it but it's actually just for me is to be able to go to open mic nights and say actually I'm going to put my name down and I'm going to have fun and it's going to be fun but it's also going to be very serious And a few people have been sending me this thing that's been going around recently around, you know, how a lot of people have the fear of being seen trying. And it reminds me of this story that I'm sharing with you right now. I would have never labeled it as the fear of being seen trying, but it very much is that. We're okay with people kind of with half-assing it a little bit, because then if it works, we can say, yeah, it works. And I didn't put that much effort, you know. But the other side of that is... If you half-ass it and it doesn't work, you can make yourself feel better, you know, because I didn't put that much effort into it anyway, so it's fine. Whereas there's some kind of shame and embarrassment and self-flagellation and this feeling of, you know, or further feelings of unworthiness 
if if you put your all into it and it doesn't work, it feels like a rejection of sorts. But we need to be able to risk that. Let's risk rejection. Let's risk those feelings of shame, those feelings of unworthiness. They will show you and teach you so fucking much. So much. And I think a lot of us are afraid of being seen trying. It makes us cringe. But imagine what you're not allowing yourself to see, what you're not allowing yourself to learn about yourself, you know. And believe me, we're going to dive into all of this in the social seduction episode because it is going to be a lengthy one. But it's going to be one where you want to bring your notebook, you want to bring your pen, you want to bring your whatever you type on. Because a lot of the work that I do and even some of the things that I'm sharing with you right now, I'm going to be able to really encapsulate so much of that, your relationships, who you're being, how you walk into a room, how you have sex, all of those things are part of social seduction. Even if the term means something or doesn't mean something to you right now, I'm going to tell you exactly what I mean by that in the next episode. Um, but I just wanted to catch you up. And now that my voice is somewhat back, yeah, but I'm excited. I'm very, very excited. And I hope that you have a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful rest of the week. This episode is coming to you a little bit late because so much has been happening, but I'm glad that I can sit down and just record this for you. Um, and make sure, please make sure that you rate and you review this podcast. It means a great deal. And I keep seeing the numbers rise, 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 which is just good for me. It's just good for me and my own ego and my little self, but it's also good for social proof. Okay. It's good because it allows for other people to know that this podcast is worthy of your time and your attention, which I'm always, always grateful for. So please do take care of yourself, take care of each other, and I will see you in the next episode.